Okay, all right. So Titus chapter 2. Uh, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Uh, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Verse 6, similarly encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Verse 9, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. So interesting, you know, there's something about the way in which we live out the gospel that makes the gospel attractive, that makes you even want to know why is it that you're living in this way, you know, what's your motivation, what's giving you that hope. And we're talking about slaves, you know, people who probably, you know, think you think you hate your job, but, you know, slaves who serve their masters and are submissive to their masters and show integrity and seriousness, you know, um, yeah, commend the gospel. Yeah. Uh, verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So again, the end result of this grace appearing, this salvation appearing through Jesus Christ is that you can tell that these people whom he saved, you know, there's something unique about that salvation that has caused them to live in a certain way, you know, eager to do what is good. You know, they are purified, they belong to him. Uh, by the way, you know, verse uh, 13 is one of those very, very clear verses that identify Jesus Christ as God. <laughs> did, you, did you notice that? Verse 13, the appearing of our great God, Jesus Christ, our great Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, you, you think that, you know, there it is. You know, you think, you know, the Bible doesn't say that. It does. There you go. Verse 15, these then are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. And that's the end of the chapter. Um, lots of instructions about how you're meant to live that promotes the gospel. But also, um, in the beginning, the first half of this chapter, lots of instruction to those who are older, who are wiser, to live in such a way that they're in, able to instruct those who are younger, those who are coming after them. There's this teaching and this modeling aspect of our lives that others are meant to look at and go, yep, okay, so that's what it means to be um, an older Christian, you know, whether it's a man or a woman. 
So um, they're meant to teach this, you know. Uh, so Titus is um, meant to teach, verse 1, what is in accord with sound doctrine. So there is meant to be, um, you know, sound doctrine. How, how would you describe that? Um, that, <laughs> that, that is consistent, I guess, you know, that is true. Um, that is, uh, and doctrine is the idea of teaching. You know, there, there's a content uh, to this gospel. It's not just me giving you an opinion. You know, God is actually has like a syllabus that he, he wants us to take on board and that will affect our lives. Hence, the rest of this uh, teaching actually affects the way in which we live our lives. So teach all the men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, love, and endurance. So teach them to, you know, what, you know, it's not like just classroom stuff. You know, how do you define the Trinity? Uh, that's not a, that's that's not just what he's supposed to teach. I'm sure you know that's very useful. But uh, character traits, being loving, being uh, self-controlled, you know, worthy of self-respect, that kind of thing. They're meant to embody the character of the gospel. So older men, you know, he's and but also he's also supposed to teach older women. Verse three, to be reverent. Verse 3, not to slander, not to gossip, not to be addicted to too much wine. Again, all these are behavioral uh, traits of someone who lives according to the gospel. And to teach them to teach as well, but to teach what is good. And here, teaching here uh, is talking about teaching um, how to live in a certain way. So they're meant to, verse 4, train the younger women. So Titus teaches the older men, teaches Titus teaches the older women, but teaches the older women to train the younger women. To train them to do what? To be uh, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled, to be pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. There is something about um, about uh, inconsistent living. If you take the opposite of this, so if they you can live in a way that commends the gospel, or you can live in a way that maligns the gospel. So the reason why Titus is told to teach older women, to train younger men, women, to live in a way that is consistent, that is loving, that is that displays the gospel, is so that no one will have a charge. Say, hey, why is it that you Christians are living this certain way, while your Bible teaches us to live this other way? So there's a kind of consistency in living and training that you're meant to model towards those who are younger than you. So verse 6, similarly encourage the young men to be self-controlled. He told the older women, older men to be do, doing that as well back in verse 2. So the younger men also are to be self-controlled. Verse 7, in everything set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So much you know, uh, so much of this is to deal with disrepute. You know, um, yes, there's a positive aspect. You know, you think, teach them so that they will be loving, so they will be self-controlled. But you're also doing this so that you won't be. You won't be brought into disrepute. Um, and not so that you won't be condemned. So that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Um, and so here is not just the content of teaching, but the character. The character of the teacher. You're supposed to do what is good. You're meant to show integrity. You're supposed to mean that seriousness, that soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. Um, 
well, really, really high standard. You think of it, you know, um, that, uh, and, you know, sometimes uh, we, 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 we display one bit and then we don't deal with the other. And, you know, it, you think of it as two, two aspects of a gospel teacher. You know, there's the life and there's, um, there's the teaching of the gospel. I'm trying to think of two ways of uh, content and character. Yeah, let's go with that, content and character. So content can be, oh, this person preaches really, really well. Everything he says is absolutely correct. Oh, I love their sermons. You could write them straight out of his books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like just so sound. But then Paul, Paul is saying also that goes together with that character. You know, there is a kind of integrity, seriousness that cannot be condemned. Such that when, even though people want to condemn you, they don't have any reason to do so. And what is sad is when one is taken seriously, but the other is, you know, kind of like, Diminish. It's, oh, it's, it's, this person is such a good teacher. It doesn't matter whether you know they live a life that is loving, that is consistent, that is holy. It doesn't matter. You can't do that. You know, Paul is saying one leads to the other, and in fact, one can cause the breakdown of the other. So, in a similarly, you know, just because someone is very good, you know, very very nice, you know, it doesn't mean that they should give be given a free pass to be teaching things that are not so correct. You know, to be ignoring the Bible and not not teaching from the Bible itself by just giving their opinions, just giving their own um, thoughts, you know. No, they, there should be a soundness to the doctrine that reflects in their soundness of their character. So yeah, so there you go. Uh, it, there's, uh, as here it is, a chapter about teaching the gospel, but also living the gospel. And at the center of it, I think, is the gospel itself. Verse 11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. To all men, and and I think the key idea here is that it has already appeared. You know that this salvation that we are telling people, you know, you're not waiting for something else to happen. The gospel is already made known. You really can tell it through the Lord Jesus Christ, and how wonderful it is. You know that, that you you don't have to figure it out. You know it's already here. Jesus has already come. He already died. He already rose from the cross, and therefore that grace. That brings salvation to all men, you know, it's available to everyone to respond to, has already appeared. And it is that gospel that teaches us to live the gospel. Verse 12 teaches us to say no to ungodliness, no to worldly passions, to live self-control, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for Jesus. And essentially, Jesus, the blessed hope he calls him here, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, one of the very few verses that explicitly say Jesus is God. You know, you want, you want to find it first? Here it is, chapter 2, verse 13. You know, thou great God, Jesus Christ. A great Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, um, there's, there's a tension here between verses 11 and 13. Because 11 says that it has already appeared. But then verse 13 says we are waiting for him to appear. <laughs> How can that be? You know, um, and one is talking about the gospel has already appeared. Jesus has already come once, already died on the cross. And therefore, we can be absolutely sure that we have been saved through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But on the other hand, this gospel that saves us teaches us to wait for the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that? What we are doing now in this life, we are waiters. We are wait and waiting is not just waiting for a bus. When will it turn up? When will Jesus turn up? That's not what we're talking about. Wait means Oh, he's going to come. Definitely, I can't wait for it to happen. He's definitely going to come. So we are waiting as Christians, and our lives show that we are waiting for that event, the appearing 
of our Lord, of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. And then there's a gospel, verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And this is the gospel that he's supposed to teach. They're supposed to make clear, you know, this has already appeared. We already have this gospel. We're meant to teach this gospel. Verse 15, these, these things are the things you should teach, encourage, rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. So there you go. A gospel that is absolutely, absolutely clear about what it means for us to be saved today, but it also teaches us to wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ tomorrow. We wait for him. And therefore, we live for him as we wait for him today. So, yep, Titus chapter 2. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that the Lord Jesus Christ will return. And that our lives today will display how we wait for him. How we've been saved in him. And that we are able to speak of him through the gospel. Lord, help us to do this by your spirit only. We are able to do this, but help us to do this well with integrity and with clarity. We pray this in the Lord Jesus Christ's name, who is our great God and our Savior, who will appear and whom you will see one day face to face. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Have a good weekend.